Before I begin, I would just like to apologise for this podcast being so late. For those that don't know, I took a month off, well, sort of off, to spend with the family over Christmas and New Year. Things should begin to get back to normal now, though, or as normal as they get around here anyway. So, on to the podcast, and it's that time of, it's that time again, the monthly and finally podcast review of November. A light-hearted review of the month in football. November is now over, and it brought us so much to talk about in football, with Bale, Zlatan and Super Mario making headlines, and Espria coming out with some tales of his time in the game. It was an unforgettable month. Juventus will certainly be open they are not forgettable, otherwise it might be a problem for them, as they are no longer in either of the two most popular football games by their real name. Now the football manager nor FIFA will have Juventus in them anymore, at least not by that name. Instead, they are exclusively in Pez. Makes a change, usually it's Pez that gets lumbered with Merseyside Reds and silly names for players, while the other two have the real names. I just wonder what name they were using that in those games. Maybe we should ask Carrera della Sport to come up with a name for the team that plays in black and white. I'm sure they would have some ideas. At least this month, Gareth Bale had managed to get some games for Real Madrid, even beginning to win the Madridistas around a bit. Well, up until he got injured, again, and still headed off to play for Wales, and then celebrated after the game for his country by holding a flag up which read, Wales golf Real Madrid in that order on it. Surprisingly, the Real Madrid fans were not too happy and have since been booing his every touch. Considering how often he is injured, the big surprise they even got to boo him at all. Speaking of hating people, Charlton Athletic owner Roland de Chatelet, Roland, is this what he did after Grange Hill? is finally set to sell the club to the relief of the fans, who have spent years protesting against his running of the club. De Chatelet got so fed up of owning the Addicts, he had even begged the EFL itself to buy it from him, but the fans have finally got their wish and he's agreed to sell to an Abu Dhabi Sheikh no less. While we are on the subject of Abu Dhabi Sheikhs, Manchester City have been busy during November. Firstly, an American private equity firm invested nearly £400 million in City Football Group, buying around 10% of the group with the money. Not long afterwards, City Group added an Indian Super League side called Mumbai City to their portfolio of clubs. They now own eight clubs around the world in various leagues. I wonder where it will stop. One team in every professional league, maybe? One club they won't be buying is Partick Thistle, who were bought by a Euro Millions winner who plans who planned to gift ownership to the fans this next year. Colin Weir won £161 million and has spent a large amount of that on buying the club, paying for a new training ground, and he also plans to fund the Youth Academy. Weir is a lifelong Thistle fan who is doing it all for the club he loves. If ever a man deserves a statue outside the stadium, it has to be him. The Premier League still can't get a new CM- CEO in place after their latest choice, David Pemsel, has resigned before he even started. When he was chosen in October, Chelsea chairman Bruce Buck told us that his personal integrity, Pemsel's, not Buck's, made him an ideal person to lead the league. Unfortunately, it turns out he had little personal integrity and he quit after newspapers revealed he was a sex pest. Unless that is what Buck meant by being ideal to lead the greed is good league. They don't seem to be all that worried about integrity in their business dealings after all. Slatan's no longer the most popular man in Sweden anymore. He announced that he bought a stake in the company that owns MLS team LA Galaxy. However, they also own a controlling interest in Hammerby, the big rivals to his former team, Malmo. That did not go down too well with Malmo fans, who have since taken to vandalising a big bronze statue of him outside their stadium. It probably didn't help that Zlatan said he had always liked Hammerby and its fans. 
things are so bad in Zimbabwe that when their defender Teenage Hadibi returned home for the international break, he was stranded as his passport had run out of pages and the country can't afford to print new ones. He finally got to go home to his team in Turkey, Yeni Malatyaspor, and that's not easy to say, at the end of the month after the Zimbabwean FA stepped in and hurried it up, but not before the lad missed out on playing in some games for his team. Tuto Sports awarded its Golden Boy Award to the best player raised under 21 according to the Jordis. It's no surprise Xiao Felix won it, but it is odd Phil Foden came in 7th with just a few minutes of first team football. Clearly people were voting based on Pep saying he was great rather than what he has actually done. But what was really bizarre was Arsenal midfielder Matteo Guendouzi got 9 votes and came 17th. I doubt even the most deluded Gunnar would have voted for him the way he's played over the last year. He would struggle to come in the top 17 if the vote was on Arsenal players under 21, let's be honest. There are problems with the African Super Cup which is due to be played in February. It is another competition that Qatari Money has bought hosting rights for to the chagrin of many. In fact it has upset one of the two teams set to play in it so much that they are refusing to go to Qatar to take part. Egyptian side Samalek have gone so far as to call Qatar an enemy to Egypt. Marco van Basten was suspended by Fox Sports after an interview with a German coach ended with him uttering the phrase Sieg Heil. Presumably between muttering don't mention the war and you started it, you invaded Poland. The legend that is Faustino Espria has been chatty this month, telling stories about his career. First off, he was telling Colombian TV that he once convinced a hitman not to kill Paraguay goalkeeper Jose Luis Chilever after a 1997 World Cup qualifier which Paraguay won 2-1 against Colombia. According to Tino, the hitman phoned his room to tell him he was going to kill Chilever, as you do like, and Tino talked him round by calling him crazy. He wasn't finished there though. Cena also told how he saved Kernan Crespo's career. Cresco, Crespo even was Palmer's replacement for a spree when they sold him to Newcastle, but Crespo was struggling badly. Cena had a three day break, so hopped on a plane to Palmer, took Crespo for a meal, and asked him why he was struggling so badly. Crespo told him his girlfriend was still back in Argentina, so Cena called up a girl he knew, introduced her to Crespo, and Crespo began scoring on and off the pits. Career saved. Aberdeen have been taken over by an American consortium. They've ruled out spending big on the team, though. Hardly a surprise, as the statements they have made make it very clear they are in there purely to build a new stadium for the club, at which point they will no doubt sell up for a large profit without having to risk any investment in the team at all. Win-win for them, like. Robbie Savage has finally found his level and signed for the 10th tier side. Sadly, it doesn't seem to be stopping him acting as a pundit, where his skills are well below 10th tier level. This was also the month that Luton manager Graham Jones admitted to changing match preparation for their games against Leeds, as he was worried he would scare his players by showing them footage of Leeds playing. Not that it mattered, as Leeds beat them anyway. Unusually, Mario Balotelli has been all over the headlines this month. Hard to believe he is such a shy retiring character, but to be fair to him, this time it was not all of his own making as it so often can be. Mario, on the books of Brescia nowadays, had once more faced racist abuse when playing against Verona. The abuse got so bad that in the 54th minute, Mario stopped playing, picked up the ball and booted it into the crowd. The referee suspended playing and obviously upset Mario had to be persuaded by Brescia teammates and officials to play on. Despite there being clearly heard monkey chants, Verona denied any racist abuse, not for the first time either. In the past when Verona fans racially abused Balotelli, the town's mayor said it was Mario's own fault. 
This time around, their coach claimed they were just boos and whistles, calling it a lie, despite all the available footage on social media which showed it, and the club's president claimed that the fans were just being ironic, not racist. At least Balotelli did get some measure of revenge by scoring his side's goal with a screamer right in front of the worst abuse. Except it didn't even end there as the leader of Verona's Ultras told a radio station that Balotelli will never be Italian and a city councillor accused Balotelli of defaming the city. At least this time Verona itself acted by banning the Ultra leader for 11 years. It was not even the only time Mario made the headlines in November. He was also in the headlines, this time his own fault, when he was dumped from the Brescia squad by new manager Fabio Grosso for not putting in enough effort in training. It does seem a bit odd that it was done so publicly, almost like they wanted to humiliate him rather than just get him to work harder though. A list of the highest paid managers in football was released this month, with Jurgen Klopp 10th with €8 million Euros per season, while Pep Guardiola is top of the tree with €23 million. Euros. The big surprise is that Spurs have made Jose Mourinho the second highest when Spurs are famous for their low wages. I'm sure that will go down well with players who are already unhappy at being paid less than rival teams pay their players. Eden Hazard has revealed that he kept rejecting PSG before making his move to Real Madrid as he had no interest in returning to League One except with Lille. Was he targeted as a Neymar replacement possibly? This has been a month full of interesting toe injuries. Not words I ever expected to say together, interesting and toe injuries. Real Madrid winger Lucas Vasquez dropped the weight on his foot while doing some extra training in the gym and broke his toe. Southampton's Moroccan winger Sofiane Buffal managed to pick up his toe problem by running into a kitchen table at home. And then there was Sweden's top scorer, Jurgarden striker Mohamed Boyeterai, who claims he picked up a toe injury playing for his country Sierra Leone by stepping on a spiritual object. According to the striker, the object had been cursed by someone jealous of his success. This month also showed up different, the different reactions to discrimination in various countries, not just Italy's reaction to Mario Balotelli's abuse. In the Netherlands, when a game was marred by the racial abuse of Excelsior's Ahmed Mendes Moreira, the top two divisions protested en masse by not playing for the first minute of their matches that weekend, while the scoreboard showed the message, racism, then we don't play football. Though not before, Den Bosch had tried to claim that Mendes Moreira had misheard the crowd making crow noises, crow noises even, not racial abuse. Den Bosch was forced to apologise when it emerged that the abuse consisted of people shouting things such as Negro and Cotton Picker, which is very different from crow sounds. In the Ukraine, Tayson was sent off for kicking a ball away when being racially abused, and then he was handed a one-match ban on top of it. In England, things are done a little differently. Those convicted of racist incidents are given jobs in football management, such as Stuart Pearce, Jonathan Woodgate, Lee Bowyer and Joey Barton. Now we can have Mark Simpson, who is sacked over allegations of discrimination by black players, while England women's head, of, head coach. He, was now, he is now in charge of Stevenage and is in trouble once more after a former coach of Stevenage alleges he made a racist remark about a player during a conversation about transfer targets. While Serbia react by just denying it ever happened as former Aston Villa striker turned partisan Belgrade manager Savo Milosevic claimed there was no problem with racism in Serbia. Obviously that is why his side stadium was closed due to racist abuse, as were bitter rivals Red Star Stadium and the Serbian national side were being sanctioned over racism during a month. Apart from that though, they don't have a problem. 
And then there was Germany, where the reaction to Schalke's chairman Clemens Tony's comments about how Germany would be better off financing power plants in Africa to combat climate change because, in his words, then the Africans would stop cutting down trees and they would stop making babies when it gets dark. Well, that was just the German FA and Schalke obviously didn't see a problem with those comments. He was just given a paid holiday for three months and then he's returned back to work this month. This was also the month that Spurs finally sacked Maurizio Pochettino, who had been clearly active, actively seeking an exit since the summer. All that talk of not being the manager, the big surprise was how long he actually lasted. Maybe it was all the trophies he won that kept him in the job so long. PSG's Brazilian defender Thiago Silva accused Messi of influencing the referee to get favourable decisions after Argentina beat Brazil 1-0. He also criticised Messi for showing disrespect to Titi, the Brazil head coach, after Messi told him to shut up. Disrespect seems to be a theme for Messi this month, The Slavia Prague players were upset with Messi and some other Barcelona players who wouldn't even shake their hands after a 0-0 draw in the Champions League. Dixon Atua was found guilty of match-fixing on appeal in November, but neither side are happy at the result. His defence lawyers are appealing against a guilty verdict, while the prosecution lawyers are mounting an appeal against a sentence which they considered too too lenient. Not often you get a verdict that both parties disagree with. Crystal Palace's most expensive lamppost has been caught repeatedly speeding and banned from driving. Christian Benteke, better known for standing with hands on hips on the edge of the box while watching everyone else playing, had already been given nine points for speeding before being caught four more times, twice on the same stretch of road at more than twice the speed limit. La Liga had another try at holding a league game in the USA, despite everyone else being against it and once again it was blocked, this time by a Spanish court. I guess you have to give them credit for not giving up, though it's not like they're doing it for the league's benefit, it's all about lining their pockets at the end of the day. This was also the month that a little spat between Raheem Sterling and Joe Gomez when they were away with England. Gomez's Liverpool beat Sterling's Man City just before they went away with England. Two had a little bit of a set two on the pitch and ill feeling was still high between the two camps. Sterling reacted angrily to a comment from Gomez and grabbed him by the throat. Something and nothing in reality, but England's head coach Gareth Southgate saw a, chance, saw a chance to throw someone else under the bus in case it all went wrong, and Sterling is an easy target. However, it did backfire as Gomez's appearance was greeted with a chorus of boos, which Sterling criticised and freely admitted it was him at fault. What he should have been saying was that it was Southgate at fault for putting it out there rather than just keeping it out of the public eye and getting on with it. Still, Southgate will be happy as he has a new pizza rad ready for when he is sacked. Man City attempted to block a UA for investigation into their finances over a potential breach of FFP rules, but it failed. Considering how much they shout about how they have done nothing wrong, you would think they would welcome an investigation as it will surely prove them innocent. Thierry Henry has been given a fresh chance to launch his managerial career, this time in Major League Soccer with Montreal Impact. Henry flopped badly with Monaco. He is very lucky to get a second chance with so little sign of any coaching ability. And David Villa announced his retirement. The record goalscorer for Spain, Villa has spent the last few years moving around the world after being signed by Manchester City's ownership group. A world-class striker who ended up in Australian football and then the MLS before heading over to Japan to wind down his career. It really does seem a waste of a top-class player. Danny Rose has admitted that Spurs were desperate to sell him in the summer but that no one wanted to buy him. Hardly a surprise for a player who's been so consistently bad since he well, since he began his career really. 
This was also the month which had the amazing incident when Eintracht Frankfurt's captain David Abraham shoulder-charged the head coach of Freiburg, Christian Streich, on the sidelines, knocking him to the ground. It sparked a brawl on the sidelines which saw Freiburg's Vincenzo Griffo sent off as well as Abraham, despite having already been substituted earlier in the match. Griffo was banned for three games with retaliation, while Abraham was given a seven-week ban and fined €25,000. The FA Cup second round saw Southend United beaten by non-league side Dover, but that didn't stop Southend defender Harry Lennon from going out on the lash with the Dover team, still wearing his Southend tracksuit. Unsurprisingly, it did not go down well with his club and Lennon was ordered to train with the under-23s. The Spanish Super Cup is taking place in Saudi Arabia between Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid and Valencia. Not that it is about the money because of course they always intended to hold it in Saudi in the long term, but the Spanish FA are receiving around £30 million a year for holding it there. Bayern Munich revealed that they sacked Niko Kovac because the players wanted him gone. The ultimate show of player power there, which may be why they hired Herr Flick to replace him. I seem to remember Herr Flick being quite strict, so we won't put up with any insubordination, that is for sure. Mbai Diani was dropped and fined by Club Bruges after he missed a penalty in their defeat to PSG in the Champions League. Not quite as severe a punishment as it first seemed, the issue was that he was not the designated penalty taker. I wonder if he'd still have faced punishment though if he had have scored it. And Michel Platini revealed he's set to sue UEFA over unpaid salary. Booted out for getting a payment he shouldn't have got, now he wants to be paid for it. Sometimes reality is stranger than fiction. Not like Platini needs the money either. But I'm sure they will settle out of court and he will have another big wedge for his back pocket to go with the wedge he shouldn't have got in the first place. November was also the month that Swiss midfielder Granit Xhaka fell out with Arsenal fans and had the captaincy stripped by Unai Emery. Saka had reacted angrily as, after yet another abject performance, he was jeered by Arsenal fans when being subbed off against Palace. Emery instead gave the armband to a player that is so desperate to leave the Gooners that he has rejected numerous contract offers, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. The beginning of the end for Carlo Ancelotti at Napoli was also in November, as they dropped 11 points behind Serie A leaders Juventus and were ordered to attend a week-long training camp by club president Aurelio De Laurentiis. The players and coaching staff, including Carlo, all rebelled against the order and the fallout rumbled on as each group made statements attacking the other. It's become a theme with Ancelotti, start well and then gradually performance and results drip, dip even, or drip, as his lack of discipline and his son's training programmes take effect. One of his ex-players said that children got better workouts in school PE lessons and Bayern's first team squad used to meet up at a local public par- park to train themselves after finishing the training sessions at the club. Eintracht Frankfurt fans were banned from entering the Belgian city of Liège ahead of their Europa League clash with standard Liège. Frankfurt were banned from selling tickets for the game to their fans due to crowd trouble in a match against Portuguese side Vitoria Guimaraes. Liège's mayor decided to take it a step further and banned all their fans from the city territory. In Italy... They've requested permission from IFAB to allow five subs per match in Serie A for next season. Serie C already have five subs a game and Serie A want to do the same. While in France, Monaco's keeper Benjamin Lecomte complained about how empty the stadiums were. Something he would see all the time as Monaco's stadium is usually less than half full.
He complained about how annoying it was to play in empty stadiums, but considering how badly Monaco are playing, it beats getting booed off by a full stadium, I would have said. And finally in November, trouble hit the first ever East Berlin-West Berlin Bundesliga derby, as the West Hertha faced Union. Hertha fans burned stolen Union shirts, flags and scarves in the stands and threw fireworks, one of which nearly hit the Union bench and another nearly hit the children and partner of Union striker Sebastian Polter. Mass Union fans attempted to get at the Hertha fans to attack them and were stopped by the actions of Union keeper Rafael Gikavir. Oh, jeez. Well, yeah, him anyway. Union keeper. You can look him up on Google to find his name. Who stepped in to push one back while urging the rest to return to the stands. The other Union players rushed over to help him and it helped defuse the situation before a right ensued as fans chanted the goalkeeper's name. How can they even chant that? I can't even say it. Oh, my God. So there we have it. A quick roundup of November's news for you. Take care and thanks for listening, if you listen this far.